Hello, everyone. Howdy, everybody. April sounds so peppy today. This is what April, so I know April's always just so full of life and energy. This is what April sounds like when she's exhausted. She's not feeling so hot. I ate some bad sushi, I think, and I'm not going to say from where because <laughs> I don't want to do that. <laughs> but I, um, I have some tummy, t- tummy troubles today. Yeah, so she's going to be a little more on the mellow, quiet side, which is unusual. And maybe this is a great opportunity for you to just recharge a little bit, Chip. I didn't even go to the gym today. I skipped it. I was on my way, and I was like, I can't do it. I couldn't imagine bouncing around. I was like, I have to go rest. That sounds terrible. But I'm here to record this podcast because it's an amazing topic. I'm super excited to learn and to talk with this person because you've said great things about him. And um, so I'm here. I'm showing up. For you and for you and for you. She's fully here. And with with that, we do have another guest speaker. We have so many awesome guest speakers. This guest speaker I talked about three or four or five or six podcasts ago. I don't exactly remember. Uh, And I was talking about the inarguable truth, which is um, kind of a new communication process that I learned from this wonderful person who is a life and relational guide who did some work with myself and my partner. And I also have a number of friends who see this person for their own relationship work and uh, it was really profound and I was really excited to share it with you all but I understand that because I'm still practicing it wasn't this perfect share so um, I we invited Shems Hartwell to come on our podcast to share with you so before we introduce Shems I'm going to tell you a little bit about who Shems is and then we will dive right in so Shems Hartwell is a life and relational guide who specializes in personal and relational empowerment. His work goes to the core of what is needed for embodied transformation by integrating the physical, mental, sexual, emotional, and spiritual. And you can find out more about him at Shems Hartwell, and that's H-E-A-R-T Hartwell.com. Welcome, Shems. We're so happy to have you here. Welcome, Shems. Thank you. Great to be here. I like to be on this guy, you know, like this this particular guest. It was great how many times you referenced that. (laughs) Yeah, we're super, yeah, we're super excited about that. And Shems is calling in from the wonderful island of Maui, correct? Is that where you are right now? Mm-hmm, I am, and it's glorious here today. Lucky. <laughs> and it's pretty nice here right now. California is craving some cold and rain. I know, it's kind of L.A. style over here, but Maui's my favorite island. It's the most magical mm-hmm. island. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. Incredible. So Shems, um, what, so dear listeners, April and I have discussed that we would like to Um, kind of reframe the podcast in the beginning to give you more of the information about why this topic is important. And when I say the the inarguable truth for communication skills, you're probably like, what does that mean? So Shams, before we dive into what this is, why is this process for communication so helpful? Why is it important? Why would people want to incorporate that into their relationships? Yes. Well, you know, so much of the conflict that couples experience or with anybody is because we go back and forth from our minds, from our thoughts, from our stories, from our projections of what we think is happening with the other. And using the speaking the inarguable truth as a way of getting into the deeper knowing inside of us, but also being able to communicate in a way that we get heard on what's truly happening for us. And we're not saying like, you did this to me, but I'm experiencing this right now while I'm with you. And it just immediately begins to dissolve conflict. And it's so easy for us to go back and forth and not get anywhere. And when we speak the unarguable truth, it's like we start to build a bridge of really getting a sense of like, where are we at right now? Where am I at with you? 
And it opens up, in some ways, a new pathway for us to relate relationally that's more holistic or more of our entire experience inside of us. I'd say it's more integrous of like being able to communicate from our body sensations, from what emotions are present, and not just our thoughts about what's happening. So it helps us to get away from the stories, which tend to get in the way, and then also from blame language and to actually just speak what is really is present in our bodies as a means for um, deeper connection and communication. Absolutely. You know, it's very easy that we make assumptions of what the other person is doing or saying to us, and we're not really sharing what's actually happening inside of us. And that creates defensiveness and often a holding back intention and an easy way of doing tug of war instead of like building a stronger connection. Mm -hmm. And, you know, this was interesting for me to learn about because April and I always preach uh, empowered language. So speaking from the, you know, the me or the I, the, the how I feel as opposed to you made me feel this way, like what you're saying. And when I did this session with you, um, it was almost like empowered language 2.0, this inarguable truth thing. And it took it to a whole next level in the way that we can convey the the me and the I because I could tell that my... My, my I feel was still very much stuck in story or I've coming from my head as opposed to the somatic experience of my body, which still could create it, definitely created some defensiveness. So for all of our listeners who have heard us talk about empowered language, just understand that this is a, um, a master's <laughs> class or version of it. It's just really, really refined. Um, so yeah, yeah I, I love that. It was really helpful. Yeah, you know, we're communicating on so many levels. We're just not conscious of all of them. You know, we're saying words, but we're also, even though we're across the airwaves right now or the Wi-Fi waves, internet world, yet there's still exchanges between us. Even my body language on some level, your system can sense. And when we're relationally with someone, it's, it's amplified so much more. And so, yeah, this is the 2.0 version of like, how do we become more expressive of our full experience and be able to take in our partners and not just be caught on what we're trying to understand, but actually what we're truly experiencing. Uh, so can you tell us what is the inarguable truth then? Can you define it and describe it and maybe, I guess, how you would, how you did for me when you taught me about it? Great. Well, let me start with where I got it from, because I want to honor my teachers in a certain sense. And I have spent many years mentoring and studying with Gay and Katie Hendricks, and they have a whole piece of work around body intelligence, relationship skills, and many books. And so um, I spent years kind of traveling the country and even the world with them, training and mentoring and doing their leadership training. And so one of their core principles is how do we communicate what's really going on in our whole being? And so the inarguable truth is a, is a way that they use to help couples in some ways communicate more deeply and more fully. And as I've used it over the last like 15 years, it's been that long since I started working with them, it's, I've kind of learned my own way of understanding it too, like everything evolves as we learn and use things. And so the way I best describe it is that we do our best to share what's actually happening on us, like what is unarguable. So if I'm hanging out with you and I have something up, if I say, you know, you always do this or you always say this, that's very arguable. But if I say, you know, when you said that to me, I noticed my chest got tight. I actually got a little, I stopped breathing in my belly. I started to feel kind of hot in my body. And I have this impulse to like want to move away from you. Or 
I have this impulse to like want to, you know, ask you more about that, what's going on for you. And so there's a lot of layers to speak in the inarguable truth. But the primary part is that I'm really giving you a viewpoint of what's going on inside of me in relation to you right now. Rather than making assumptions about what's going on for you, I'm saying something that you couldn't argue about if I say I'm not breathing very deeply right now. I stopped breathing or I'm not breathing deeply or I'm feeling tightness in my chest. There's, there's no reason for you to say, no, you're not feeling tightness in your chest. But if I tell you, you know, you just, you're never on time. You're always late. You're probably gonna go, well, I'm late. Not that often, actually. You'd have a lot to arguable about. And so relationally, we get caught in these things of saying statements or blanket statements that, that make claims that are easily argued or the other person won't agree upon. And what we do by presencing our experience is we share a deeper layer of like what's actually happened to me when you say this or when, when you turn away from me and pull away, I notice I get scared. I feel emotionally scared. Something in me goes, oh no, like what's going on? Where's she going? What's happening? And if I share that with you, like I noticed when you pulled away, I got scared. It offers for us to start exploring what's going on. And, and maybe then I go, why are, you, why are you pulling away? What's actually happening? I can ask you a question rather than say, why do you keep pulling away from me? Like what's going on from you? I could say, you know, I notice I'm scared because it feels like you're pulling away. So the inarguable truth keeps bringing it back to what's happening inside of me in relation to you. Not just my thoughts and stories, but my physical experience in my body, anything that changes, if I get tense, if I get hot, if I start sweating, or my emotional experience, I'm feeling a little bit sad or scared, or I'm feeling angry, I'm feeling frustrated, I feel my body getting tight and I'm wanting to fight back with you about this. All of those things help to dismantle. And the third layer is that we share the thoughts we're having, like I'm having the thought that you're going to pull away again versus you are pulling away again. There's a big difference between those two because if I'm having the thought you're pulling away, it's not arguable. So the, there's three primary areas we speak of the unarguable truth. One is body sensations, physical experience. Two is our emotional landscape, like I'm feeling scared, I'm feeling tight, and that's often related with a body sensation. If I feel sad, I might feel something around my chest. If I feel scared, I might have a tightening in my body somewhere in my belly. If I feel angry, I might find my posture changes. I start to close down or I start to get big or I start to heat up. And then we share the thoughts we're having, basically, that are being authentic with like what's going through my mind right now rather than believing the thought and saying it's for sure true, I'm sharing my internal experience. Is that easy to follow on how I'm describing it? Yeah, that makes sense. Does it make sense to you? It does, yes. I love that. Yeah. yeah. And and what, okay, well, actually, well I'll, I'll let you continue. I have, I have actually a question to follow up, but I'll let you continue if you had anything to say, continue in explaining what it is. Yeah, that's the basis of it. And what what it makes it easy to understand is having some modeling of it. So one way we can do at some point here is for you and I to play with it a bit, Amy, as if we had something up so that we give some examples, because the best way to teach it is by example, is to have yep, it seen I'm, I'm and for me to give some examples. So that might be a good thing for us to do. Yeah. As far as adding more of what it's about, it's, it's consistently about also, in some ways, I'm responsible for my experience. So if I say, I'm angry because you did, 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 did that's actually arguable too. There's a good chance it's true, but the truth is I'm angry. 
Mm-hmm. And it seems to me that I'm angry because you said this or because you left out, you ran out the room. More responsible way of communicating is that I'm feeling angry and it seems to me, it feels like it's because you did this, but truly I'm, I'm angry right now. Mm-hmm. And what I'm wanting is I'm wanting to feel close to you. I'm wanting to release this anger and feel connected to you again. Or I'm wanting to express it all the way. So the inarguable truth turns into a way of making the connection stronger or moving forward together in a way that resolves what's happening. Mm-hmm. So it's a complete, it's a complete package. It's my, my intention of being authentic and honest and speaking what's going on and naming my experience is because I want to have resolve with you. I want to become closer with you. I want to release what's ever up for me that's getting in the way of my heart being open to you. So that's the purpose of it ultimately has this realm of I'm wanting to be in high quality relationship with you. Mm-hmm. So I'm getting more authentic, more real, more honest of my experience because I know that's going to help us move forward together. Yeah. So who doesn't want that? Yeah. <laughs> quality <laughs> relationships, closeness. And I know I, that was one question that I was going to ask you and I'll, I'll, after we can model our process, but um, we actually just did a podcast on attachment styles and attachment wounding and we were talking about avoidance and um and that i will do have a question about that because i know for some people it's just hard to feel and it's hard to understand what your feelings are so we can do that as well for a moment to if you have some tips on that but maybe some examples on what it what the process looks like of speaking your inarguable truth and one last thing before we actually practice is this, this is something to be clear when something comes up, we speak our inarguable truth and we, with another person or other people, and we keep going back and forth with our own inarguable truths to each other until what it diffuses the, the fear, the hurt, the anger, or when, when do you notice when to stop? (laughs) Yeah. So a couple things. One thing is to know, to give each other space to feel if a feeling is there. So if I say to you, I'm like really angry and in this, you might say, okay, like I hear you're angry and are you willing to feel that all the way right now so you can be present with me? So one movement of stopping to go back and forth with the inarguable truth is actually to encourage that person to go all the way with their feelings. If I'm frustrated, I might need to move and express this through my body and in less in like a minute or less too. It's not that we have to have some excuse huge, long emotional expression. But if I'm really with myself and with what's happening with me and I give it complete attention and I feel it and I move and I'm with anger, for instance, all the way, it's going to move through me relatively quickly. Mm-hmm. The, the reason emotions often keep recycling and it feels like we're sad forever or, emo- or anger won't go away is because we're actually caught in our head and we create like a trauma vortex where we keep having thoughts that re-stimulate the emotion rather than really feeling the emotion all the way through us. And so that's one thing that closes it. The other is that we always want to move to like, what do I want with you right now? So we might hear each other of what our inarguable truth is. And then my truth might be is that what I'm wanting is I'm wanting to feel connected with you. And is there anything I can do to to have that happen? Mm -hmm. So once we've heard each other and there's some space for us to be exchanging and we're really giving each other permission to feel what's happening and there's space for it, it's accepted, like, okay, that's your experience. 
then there's space for us to have a want, to have a, a desire met or a need met. Like my need is to feel really safe with you when you're angry, to feel comfortable in myself. And a lot of that's in my response is, is my responsibility to source my safety. And it's also your responsibility to move your anger in a healthy way that doesn't turn into an attack at me or a big thing of blame or some form of aggression. But your anger is welcome if you're not directing it at me, but you're willing to feel it and move it through you. Mm-hmm. So, so the whole purpose of the inarguable truth is to get to a place where we're creating a new movement by being authentic, feeling, expressing, and being clear about what we want with the other. You're right. It's difficult for us to feel often. And for some people, it's really hard. Like the mind is so well developed and activated and we're so familiar. It's like the mind is the major freeway that's going through the big cities. And to get it back all the way into our body and emotions is like getting on the scenic route that takes a long time to get to sometimes and to enjoy and to be slow. And or it's it's going to take a lot longer to get where we want to get to that way. It feels that way. What I say, the reason that the unarguable truth is so effective is let's just simply start with like what's actually happening in my breath and my body. Because maybe being sensitive to which particular emotions are happening is harder to get in touch with. But if we really check in, I can, I'll know right away whether I'm tight in my body or whether I'm relaxed. Whether I'm pulled back a little bit or shut down or like contracting somewhere or whether I'm I'm open. If I can feel my body soft and open, my posture is open to you. And so that's the truth is like right now I can feel that my body's closed down to you. Like I, I'm tight in my chest. My, I feel my shoulders rolled forward to protect my heart versus the opposite would be, yeah, I feel big and open and expressive and I want to keep moving toward you. So it's, I don't think it's hard for anybody to feel the sensations in their body if they're willing to. What's hard is that we kind of are addicted to the thoughts in our head and saying them and they're going so fast inside of us that it's hard to disengage that and actually change gears and be attentive to the bodily experience or the emotional experience. So when your body is triggered and by whatever action or interaction you're having with your partner or person, you're recommending the first step uh, is to tap into your body and sort of breathe through that opening up and kind of getting in a more comfortable space. It starts with, with that. Yeah, it, it would be first, maybe with the part, it might be just even being r- real enough to name it. Like I notice my body's tight and tense. And then once I've like named it, I put it into the light in some ways, we both are aware of it now. Then I can like, all right, I'm tight. What can I do right now to really let that start to relax so I can, you know, be more fully with you? And so, yeah, that would be breathing more deeply. It's basically it would come down to regulating the nervous system, which I'm sure you probably both know really well. The unarguable truth is actually kind of a doorway and an invitation to like, let's regulate our nervous system together while we're doing this, while we're in this situation together. That's really helpful for me because it's quite often hard for me to find the words to describe what I'm feeling. And when I do, I think it just contributes to pulling me in my head when I'm not, if I'm not fully in my body yet. So if I just describe, you know, right now I'm, I'm feeling really small or the desire to crawl in a little ball or the desire mm-hmm. to run and hide, but I'm not going to because I want to stay in connection with you. Um, and then from there I can usually go into the, the more of the feelings. Like I'm, I'm feeling fear or sadness or, uh, but it, the, starting with the body is really easy, and I like that point uh, that you that you stated that anyone can use that. So for you know, for folks who 
have a hard time describing their feelings or feeling their feelings. Like what Shems is saying, I think is really helpful to just feel your body and just starting with describing that and going from there will be really helpful. Yeah. The hard, the biggest hurdle I've seen in speaking the inarguable truth is that we want, we often, when we're in a tense moment with someone, we want to prove that we're right. That our viewpoint of what's happening or what that person did is right. And we kind of can easily get caught just not backing out of that versus being, I, it's like Katie would often tell me, Katie Hendricks would say, we're either right or we're open to learning. And so when we're caught in the right one, we're not really open to learning. We just want to be right. We just want to be heard. We just want to make sure that our point gets across. And that's a limited way of relating. So the inarguable truth is a way of dismantling that by being, no, I'm more curious about what's really going on here in my body, in my experience with you. And I'm curious, why is this happening? What's this really about? Because most tensions or struggles are not usually about what we think they're about. They're about something else that's going on a deeper level, which might be a core want or a need or something that we actually need to do for our own selves. That has nothing to do with the partner. That's very common too, how we take care of ourselves. And the speaking the arguable truth is a gateway into all of that. Because if I stop and check in and I notice I'm pulling away and I'm tight and I'm disconnected from you and my body, well, then I'm taking responsibility for my experience. And then I'm starting to notice if I start presencing that and being with that, you know, and feeling that and making it okay that I'm tight in my body, that I don't have to get rid of it, but I'm naming it, I'm being with it, I'm being with you with it by staying connected on some level, I'm already starting to allow something new to start to move and happen inside of me. I'm already being my own medicine in a certain way. And I would imagine that that would also assist in um, the the person that you're working with in um, energetically shifting it, sh- taking your own responsibility, therefore shifting the feeling of blame, even if you're not using blame language, the feeling of um, I'm doing something wrong and you know, I'm causing this to this person. And instead, because this other this person is going through their own process and taking care of themselves, then it would probably assist that. Absolutely. Very often... When we don't, we aren't being pointed at for doing something wrong or shamed or like, you know, having anger or aggression directed at us, it's a lot easier to be like, oh, you know, I could see why when I said that it was hurtful to you versus if we're being shamed or, you know, pointed at or attacked in some way or there's aggression coming at us, blame, we're often going to have some unconscious defense mechanism like a force field come up. And then we're not going to really be willing to see our part so much because we're the, the energy coming at us from our partner is so much bigger and harder to handle that we immediately protect. Mm-hmm. And, and so this is a gateway for exactly what you just said. We start to create a safer quality of being together that both people start to be more relaxed with one another to be honest and share. Mm. Yeah, and this is all coming from some childhood wounding too. <laughs> so that, often. Yeah, that a lot of that defensiveness and that desire to always be right and the blaming language and things are all um you know often the conditioning that we received that was never ours but now we're some of us are trying to undo yeah and it's what's been modeled i mean well i don't know where i grew up there was all these like soap operas on during the day and my grandmother and my mom would watch them and stuff and they're full of tons of drama and blame and no responsibility and so there's modeling that we've had like this is what we've seen that people do and we don't see a lot of movies or television with high quality modeling of responsibility. I mean, look at the male archetypes that are most famous in our culture, right? They're usually they're kind of bravado and, and there's a new wave happening obviously now, but you're right. Even if we haven't been 
traumatized necessarily in our childhood. We've grown up kind of in this enculturation that basically doesn't really live in reality around communication and responsibility and healthy relationships. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it's just one big life soap opera. (laughs) It's a lot of drama. And then we love watching these reality TV shows, which are often full of a lot of drama and people not having very good skills in relationship and things like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's not your fault, people. It's not your fault. Yeah, yeah, and have yeah. compassion for yourselves and for the processes that you're currently going through. And uh, if you're on the path to to shift different different uh, behaviors, then there's so much available to you. But yeah, compassion for sure. This is mm-hmm. an important key here. It starts with the self and loving yourself and understanding where a lot of this comes from is really helpful. Well said. And, you know, that, that's another thing is that when we ha- come into agreement about speaking the inarguable truth, it definitely is something we want to create an agreement with with people. You know, we can do it ourselves, but it's nice to have a place where we both are having the intention. Then we can have a lot more compassion for ourselves and our partner while it's happening. Mm-hmm. Right. Compassion is just the best medicine. If you mm-hmm. And, of course, it's hard to tap into. But for myself, you know, when I'm feeling my defensiveness or my hurt, or my protectiveness of myself, compassion can be a hard thing for me to tap into. Uh, and whenever I do, you know, starting with myself and then for others, it's just, it's, it's, a, it's a game changer. It really is a medicine for the mind, body, and spirit, and especially when it comes to connection. Yeah, mm. absolutely. So you want to do a little um, inarguable truth example? Yes, and here's how I want to do it. Let's first do a drama-rich one with lots of blame, Ooh. and then let's shift gears, and okay. then do one on the other way. Does that sound good? Yeah, so it's you and I are we're going to be blaming. Let's do it. Whoops. Let's take turns and have some kind of like created conversation right now about how you're always late, and you always make me wrong for it. And, and then when I try to tell you about it, you get all defensive and angry at me, and then you turn into this like raging, intense woman. Woo! Ragey, I wanted to. That sounds fun. (laughs) (laughs) All right. We can do this. Shams, I'm getting really sick of this. Every single time we schedule a podcast or a call, you come late. It's like it's like you don't even care. You just do whatever you the fuck you want. Me? You think this is about me? This is about you. You didn't make a clear agreement with me. If you want me what to be on time, agreements. I don't even know what you're talking about agreements. I was very clear. I sent you an email. The email said two o'clock. You showed up at two oh five, just like you didn't last get time. The Skype you always thing do this. Like two minutes before, you didn't even like befriend me on the Skype thing, and you expect me to be on time. Oh God, you you, you didn't befriend me first. <laughs> is that enough? <laughs> yeah, <that's good. laughs> you did it See first. You got, don't we love this stuff? It's so good. I know it's kind of it was kind of fun <laughs> to just be able to to be ridiculous. <laughs> April's looking, her eyes are all wide, like, whoa. <laughs> you actually, when I work with couples, often I will actually encourage them to do this first, to make it louder and bigger and more intense, and then change gears. I like that. It's, and it's, it's, it, it creates a little bit of play, right? We're not yes. really serious, but it brings up the emotional that you play, you know? It, so I just, I actually just, and just a little side note before we go into the next piece, I did this with my partner where we were actually in a little bit of this argument that we were right before bed seems to be a, prime time for this and and um and there was just something that came up and we both started doing this we we, we, what it is is we're meeting each other right you know we're meeting each other with the playful anger because this you know this we were staging but we somehow both just dropped in this place where and we just started saying things like like you're such a control freak and just allowing while you know there were smiles on our faces and it just 
it was just we knew where we were going with it as kind of like this unloading and then it just turned into this laughter and an I love you and this big hug and um it was it was a really really powerful practice so Oh, good to hear that. And I've seen that many times. It's like as long as we get into play and exaggeration, often we create new movement. Yeah, especially when we know we're on the same page. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. The other thing, just a little another thing to add to it, sometimes we switch roles and play each other's character. It can be really great that way too. Yeah. That's a whole other conversation, but it's a valuable one. Mm, I want to do that. That's fun. Good. So so if we took this into like how we change, how we would transform this. Mm Is that like I could just start by saying, you know, I, I actually feel a little scared I'm going to be late for our call today because I didn't get the Skype contact. Oh, is this in my, in my following up with you, Sarsu? Yeah, you can make a response to that. Like, <laughs> he says again, you're so not listening. Okay, so wait, say that, say that right one in. more time. Go one more time. Yeah, so I, I, I feel a little scared that I didn't get the Skype contact in time. I might be late for our call or I may have missed something. I noticed I got a little tight in my belly for a moment. Mm. Yeah, I'm feeling an intense tightness in my chest and um, this desire to kind of shut down and retreat. Mm. You can hear that. Uh, When I hear you say that, I want to just take a deep breath. Like, okay. (sighs) So immediately when we're this vulnerable, my next impulse is to be like, is there any way I could support you so you don't feel like you need to retreat, but that you could stay close with me? Mm-hmm. See how quickly it goes to that place? Yeah, yeah. I got so authentic and real. There was no blame for with you in any way. And then you did the same thing. You're sharing like an authentic experience where I'm like, okay, all right, how could I be here for you then or with you? Mm-hmm. Or what could I, how could I show up that would like that create a supportive place so you felt more comfortable with me? And that would take you for you to get out of your own process because you were going through your own thing too. Like you're in a fear place too. And then I say, I'm, I'm feeling this tightness and this desire to retreat. You're essentially stepping outside of your process and like, all right, I'm here to support you. Yeah. And well, what happened for me in just speaking it is that it, it just, it diffused it pretty hugely for me mm-hmm. Yeah. to just being honest and sharing it. That's not always the case for all of us. But and not that I, you know obviously we're not totally in a real tense moment because nothing really happened. Yeah, I <laughs> However, don't really want to go ahead. <laughs> and when I yeah when I heard yours, I was like, okay, you want to go hide? Like I, I I noticed that I did just want to take a break and create a bit more of a safer space for you to be with me. Because mm-hmm. even liked, if I was scared, it didn't mean I wanted you to go away. And I liked what you did too. I I didn't do it. I didn't give a big pause after you shared your fear, your what you were feeling, and you did a nice pause and took took a deep breath. And I liked that because it it helps me to feel like all right, they're making space for my process. Good. I'm so great that you just named that because that's an essential part. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is that we really let each other's experience land. Mm-hmm. That we give some space to validate and honor. That's the experience they're having. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so that we do feel heard, we feel somewhat met with simply someone's availability and attention. Mm, yeah. And, that's and this is a lot easier in person too, you know, versus being over the phone or Skype. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Or and also when it's you know, the, the real life heightened experience. But I mean, even right now in this process with you, um, you know, we didn't, it wasn't this huge, it was this playful explosion yet somehow in the way that we're speaking right now, that vulnerability and that, that meeting of each other, I do feel my whole body and my system feeling a lot more calm. I feel really safe and Mm. uh, I do feel heard and connected. Yeah. 
It's beautiful you said that as well. because I would say that one of the biggest values of doing therapy work or sitting with a coach or a relationship person, it's not necessarily always what's said and all that. It's having a safe space for your experience to be have permission to have it. And so if we can do that relationally together, like which I, which I spend a quite a bit of time teaching couples, how do you create a safer space that each of your experience is welcome? Mm. And that we can provide enough space that I could have fear and be comfortable with your anger. That I can have both happen at the same time. And that's like building muscles inside of us that have a bigger capacity to give ourselves permission to feel what we feel, but then to give the other permission to feel what we feel. And that's one of the reasons I think therapy and stuff can be really helpful among many others, but it's a very important one because oftentimes things aren't said or communicated or are held back or withheld because the space doesn't feel safe. We're afraid of our partner's reaction. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that permission piece is is huge. Yeah. It's profound. It feels, it's... It definitely, if it's a, it's a something that I think people crave. They're they're deep down on a on like a soul level to just feel like they are okay and allowed to to feel what they feel. Yes. There's this book that actually that I've been reading that talks about the inarguable truth, but in business called Conscious Business. Have you ever heard? Have you ever heard of that book? It's by Fred it's not- Kaufman. I haven't read that, but I was thinking you're going to speak about the 15 commitments of conscious leadership, which are some friends of mine wrote that book. Oh yeah. He, he's he's all about out. conscious leadership and conscious business, but he talks about how in the office place we can use these same truths, not necessarily tapping into the body, but, um, creating some, a space where it's, it's inarguable because it's how you feel instead of, which I think is a really important thing. And it just, it just struck a chord with me. And, and I, I like that because if you're in a business situation, it's a bit harder to tap in with your partner to be like, are you here? Do you have space for me? Can I, how can I support you? But, um, can you, give me specifically in business, for instance, um, like a scenario where sometimes things aren't going your way and things do get heated. Is there anything that you can do just on your own versus having to tap into someone that maybe not on the same page as you? Good. What I'm hearing you say is how do I regulate my nervous system in a business situation where maybe I can't be that real and honest with somebody? Is that what you're asking? Exactly. Somewhat. Yeah. Cause there's two sides to that. One is like, can I, am I willing to be really honest with the people I'm working with and create more of a powerful container? And sometimes that doesn't work, right? If it's your boss, it's hard to confront your boss on for being an asshole, right? Yep. It's just hard. She's you not know? saying and her boss not is an so asshole. Well. <laughs> not well. So you have to actually digest your anger in a healthy way. So it doesn't get misdirected in some other way and you don't carry it with you for the next three days. Right. Right. Exactly. That's kind of what you ask for. So the model I use is that's, it's the same kind of thing as like, am I willing to give myself a minute to really express and feel what's going on in me? And that might not look big, but it might just be that I stop and I really use my breath to move, you know, blood and aliveness through my body and to exhale all the way. So I'm truly letting go. You know, every exhale is an opportunity to kind of relax the body and recalibrate or reset our nervous system every single time. So if we really think about that way, it's like if I truly exhale, I can soften my muscles and let go. And someone may have said something to me in a business situation that really hurt or really triggered like the place in me that feels angry and needs to like defend and protect myself. And I've experienced this a lot with clients over the years. And so I encourage people sometimes to go out somewhere and have kind of a rant, like move that energy somewhere else, like put something that represents your boss and actually like be angry for, you know, 30 seconds. 
and let yourself have that anger. Cause it's like a lot of what trauma is, is that we didn't have a safe space to follow our impulse to protect ourselves, to stop something that was happening. If you're a little kid and your dad's hitting you, you couldn't have stopped him. But as we get older, one way we clear trauma out of our nervous system is that we move, we be able to protect ourselves. We be able to have a big enough expression to our body for a quick moment so that we complete what wasn't, what didn't get to happen, if that makes sense. Yes, it does. Um, I'm going to try to do that. I think leaving the situation, perhaps being like, I need a bathroom break and then going and tapping in and tuning into my breath would be good. Yeah. And so, so in the moment with the person, so if you can't leave the situation and something fires you, like in the moment fires up your nervous system. So what I do then is I actually, I ground myself more deeply. I slow myself down. I feel into my body. I breathe down into my belly and I basically do the opposite thing that the fight or flight method would do to me. Hmm. I start to slow down instead because I watch my mind will speed up. My breath will speed up. My body will tighten up. I'll start to have all the responses in my nervous system, kind of like lights going off all the way up to my head. And I'll do the very opposite. I'll slow myself down. I'll relax my spine a little bit. I'll start to ground myself more into my physicality, feeling my bones, deepening my breath, grounding and anchoring the mind that starts to go fast into my experience. So I'm consciously feeling my experience while staying engaged with who I'm talking with. Does that help, April? That does. Yeah, that helps. deeper into my experience and I'll, I'll get, and this is a master practice right here. If I can, if someone's immediately attacking me, it's like, this is what a martial art master does, right? They have the ability to kind of stay calm, stay present and move highly skillfully. And so we're talking about being able to do that in life in every moment. You know, that's how we avoid car accidents and stuff is that we stay calm and we move super consciously and swiftly. And we trust the flow state in us to be able to respond in healthy ways. This is April. You need to be a life ninja. Yes. Trust the flow. I like surrender to the flow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This is great. I, so much useful stuff. A- April's always a little on the business side of things. She's always like, so how do I hey. incorporate this into like my hustle and the business game? Because that's what she does. <laughs> Good. Well, that's important. I mean, that's, that's, that's real stuff. That's on the front burner of your life that you deal with all the time. It's not going away, right? You might as well become masterful at it. Mm-hmm. What, so what other offerings do you, so, I mean, we, we did this, this, you said that you work with couples and I, I mentioned that I worked with you as well, um, uh, with my partner, but what other offerings do you have? I know you do right. other work with specific yeah. men. Right now I'm leading something called the men's passage, which is a three month program for men. And I have men from all over the world in it. And so I'm going to finish that up later this month and then I'm going to launch another one in the spring. So it's, it's this whole program online using Zoom, interactive and experiential. I'm like teaching core practices and it's centered around three things. One of them is our vitality and ability to kind of stay in our raw, primal, empowered, masculine energy and accessing that in our life so that we're just switched on, basically our dimmer switch on all the way. Second is how do we do the shadow work? How do we face the places where we hit challenges, avoidances, keep repeating the same issues over and over again, working with that? And the third is relationship skills. So I've like built this awesome program. This is my first one running it. It's been incredibly successful and amazing. So I'll be doing more of it. So I do that. And then I do, I lead retreats and do rites of passage work on Maui. Like people come and work with me intensively here. And we go to really beautiful waterfall spots and nature places. And I help people connect with their nervous system and rewire their nervous system, whether it's a couple doing that together relationally, or I do that quite a bit individually with men and women. And I'm about to launch an eight-week course online 
called Empowered Loving that's for couples online that I'm going to launch um, pretty soon. In the next week or two, it's going to go live. And um, as far as the promoting of it, and it'll be happening in February and March. And then people can also book private sessions with you. Even if they're not in Maui, they can work with you online. Absolutely. And usually I do a free session with people, an intro session, just to meet and see if, because I have a pretty good full schedule often. So I, I like to offer people a free session and just see if there's a resonance for us, which you and I did, Amy, I think. With I know. You and and you sold, I was sold on you after that session. I was like, he's amazing. Yeah, <laughs> I really like it because it gets rid of any of the hesitance around money. And I'm like, that's, it's more like, let's have a meeting and let's see, let's have an experience of each other. And let me see if I could support you a little bit now and see if what I offer would resonate for you. And so you can link that on my website right on my homepage. It's offered there and people can schedule right now if they want. Great. Yeah, it's right on the homepage. It's uh, Shem's Hartwell. And again, it's H-E-A-R-T, hartwell.com. Um, and is there anywhere else people can find you? Just go right to the website. Any other? That's a good, that's the best place. I mean, I'm on Facebook under Empowered Loving. Oh, nice. Okay. And, and Essential Masculine. I have two Facebook pages because I've been doing more and more men's work. Great. That's much, much needed. Something that we're really, really passionate about. I mean, of course, empowered loving for everyone, but for um, for men's work, I think it's really wonderful to see um, another strong masculine ally who's helping men to tap into their vulnerability and their strength and their strength through vulnerability. So thank you for doing that work. We, we really appreciate it over here at Shameless Sex. <laughs> yeah, thanks. Well, maybe next time we could talk about sex. Oh, yeah. Sex. And, That'd yeah. be juicy, too. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> definitely. Let's do that. Now, next time we'll do it. Yeah, we actually we have a lot of... Um, our, we did a poll with our listeners, and they're really into communication and relationship skills, but they also are really, really into sexual mastery and how to be a great lover. So, <laughs> yeah, well, you know, the, topic. speaking in an arguable truth is actually a really great way to get ourselves into our body to move towards more sexual intimacy and connection. It's a very wonderful step in that direction. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it actually is part of the sexual mastery if we can actually feel our bodies and speak through our bodies and you know for our bodies, then. And that it, I mean, we said that it's, it's like ninja business, <laughs> sexual yeah. ninja. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you so much, Shems, for taking the time to come on to Shameless Sex. And I'm going to let April take us out as well. As Hello, Shems. Um, yes. We really appreciate your time. And hopefully, I know Amy's been out to visit you in Maui recently. But, oh, if you come, come and hang out with us in Santa Cruz. I was just there. Oh, for a really? couple of weeks. Yeah, we don't have waterfalls. We've got some other cool stuff. We have waterfalls. So. Oh, we do. Yeah, Berry Creek Falls. Oh shit! Oh. Santa Cruz is my Santa Cruz is one of my hometowns, so I absolutely love Santa Cruz. Oh, cool. Yeah. Well, it's been a pleasure talking with you. Thank you for the valuable information. And I want to reach out and thank all of our listeners every week. We see you every Tuesday. We love you. Remember, you can rate us on iTunes. Um, We're now available on Spotify. You can download us on our website, shamelesssex.com. We've got great resources. You can always write us an email if you have sex questions or any questions, empowerment questions. Uh, Our website's a great resource. You can uh, email us at shamelesssexpodcast at gmail.com. And we really love you listeners. So thank you for tuning in every Tuesday and ciao for now. Hello, everyone. Hey, people. It's sex question time. Woo! And we have a lot of them. How many do you how many do you have? I think I have two that you that you don't see. So two. And then you have four. Uh, no, I have two. Oh.
Oh, I have two. Oh, no, I have three. I have three. Okay. And some of them are going to be quick, but thank you everyone for your sex questions. We love them. And thank you for being patient with us as we answer them over time because um, we is busy. So, uh, but we love them. Please don't think that we don't love you and we love when you send them in. And if we miss any of your questions, we're sorry about that. We're pretty sure we're getting all of them. So uh, if you feel like it's been a month or two and yours hasn't been answered, feel free to resend it to us again because we want to dive in because it's fun. Okay, so here we go. Woo! So I'm a, I'll start with one, then you'll go. Sure. Good. Okay, cool. So Kay asks, and again, we're keeping the names anonymous, what different porn sites do you recommend? I would love to learn more about sustainable porn. I know the industry can be pretty fucked up, and sometimes the workers aren't always getting paid the way they deserve. Um, yes, this is very true in the porn industry. A lot of your mainstream porn... Isn't porn actually... It was down in Van Nuys, and it still is down in L.A., but isn't a lot of it moving to Georgia? Isn't that true? Did you hear that? Like, it's cheaper for them to do... Well, we tried to pass that condom law for a while, where in California, if you, for, if you filmed but porn, but that failed. Like, it did pass, and then it just... Um, they they actually had to go back to the legislator and so it didn't pass but i think that they still film 99 percent of all the porns filmed in um la okay yeah yeah i heard that. the numbers i heard before was like 90 percent at one point but i heard that some of it was going to georgia but it could be wrong but anyways but that's not what you're asking I, she's talking about or they're talking sorry they're talking about the they're getting paid and sustainable right and i believe from what i know and if you're actually paid by one of the big um, film produ- production companies, they they are paid well, the performers. So if you're thinking about the mainstream artists, they are paid well. I know that. I go to the Porn Awards every year. You don't really go, Amy, but um, they are usually pretty stoked And when they accept their awards. And I don't know how much they're making, um, but I think when you're going on some of this free websites where it's a lot of amateur porn, uh, those are the folks that aren't really getting paid well. Yeah. Or at all. Yeah, and, and you know, if you go to the porn, actually some of the, there's actually porn stars who have their own production companies now, like Joanna Angel and, um, what is that one woman? That, oh my God, I absolutely love her work too. She's got the tattoos. Oh, they actually Belladonna. all have to. Belladonna. Yeah, Belladonna. She's not, she retired though. Oh, she did, but she has her own production company. Yeah, these, so there's a lot more like women, women owned, women directed. And I don't know if that's up your alley, but I would imagine that the treatment of their um, fellow women porn stars would be a little bit more fair. And like, yeah, like April said, the higher pay. And then there's also independent companies if you're into. Um, Queer porn, there's pink and white productions, and they do the the Crash Pad series. And there's a lot of really great stuff coming out of um, out of that company, in in terms of the way that the workers are treated, and they have a lot more say in what's going on there, and um, a lot just a lot more more love and ethics, fair ethics going on there, as well. But I think f- the, the the probably the mo- the least sustainable porn available is the mainstream you you porn. Um, X hamster those sites uh, I don't believe a lot of those folks are making very much money well let's talk about sustainable here when porn became free on the internet and people stopped buying it like you're not supporting them so yeah you're not supporting the porn stars so that would be one thing if you want to make sta- porn more sustainable so that the workers actually get paid fairly then um, 
perhaps find sites where you can actually contribute to them getting paid uh, as opposed to, and, that, and you know, then there's like your distributor sites that have nothing to do with them getting paid, but you know, sites that are the direct production company where you can actually download or, or watch from them, then I would imagine that that would help to support the industry. And of course it's probably going to some sleazy person who's at the top of the, the pyramid. But um, just, I think that's something to look at when we get stuff for free and whether it's music or pornography or vi or movies or whatever it is, we're, we are not supporting the the actual production that is behind it. I do like my free stuff, but just to consider. All right, what you got, April? This is actually, a, I think, a really interesting and slash <laughs> great question because surprisingly, as much as um, we go around the world and think that there are a lot of conscious beings out there that are in tune and, and knowledgeable about sex because they're having it for a long time, they still have this question. Um, and so this comes from Anonymous. And um, the question is this. So as I have recently become of legal age and I look forward to my first sexual experience, I was thinking about STDs, specifically if there is any way to detect them other than contracting them. I don't mean in-depth testing of your partner. I mean determining the presence of an STDs uh, of an STD upon looking, touching, smelling, and or tasting your partner's genitals. XO a listener. Uh, so I want to I want to say something to this because I got a message from my friend. Shout out to my friend um, in Nashville who sent me a voicemail because she had gone to the doctor in Nashville and she was like, I want a full STD screening, all of it. And the doctor said, okay, but we don't screen for HPV or herpes anymore because everybody has it. Her words, the doctor's words. So she thought that was insanity and um, was like, no, I want to be screened. And the, doc and the doctor was like, "You, are, there's no way. We can do it. Everybody has it. If you've been sexually active after 1991 or something, she said, you, you have it which is, I was in shock too. So that being said, um, I don't know if that's a commonality, if that's just specific to the state, but um, to answer this question, you cannot tell if someone has an STD just by looking at them or tasting their genitals or that is, that is not the case, or if they're quote unquote, using quotation marks, clean. Um, I've had people, past partners say, I like that didn't want to use a condom with me, I only slept with clean people. And I was like, whoa, 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 wait a second here. What does that mean? How do you know? Have you been tested? And it was always like a, a, a statement of, no, how could I, I, I don't ever sleep with dirty people. And because I've like, I know for a fact, one out of like two, I think people have herpes genital or type, what is it, HPV, not HPV1, um, H, HSV, HSV1 or HSV2, which is like the mouth versus genitals. So nine times out of 10, even if they don't show symptoms or signs of it, they're still a carrier. Same with HPV. There's no test for um, the uh, penis owners to test for HPV. The only time they can test positive is if you have a pap smear and it's abnormal. So that, which is, which is really intense. So the, the answer to the question is no. The um, obvious solution, I think, for you listener with this question is to get tested regularly and use protection as often as you can. I know that sounds like the old kind of solution that you hear in gym class in high school, but um, condoms are a great resource to protect. If you're wanting to be fluid bonded with your partner, 
and get tested. But a lot of times, STDs won't show up until three months after the um, fluid was exchanged, just so you know. Amy, I'm sure you have a lot to add to this. Yeah, um, well, HPV, there's so many different forms, and there's HPV that you can actually see, which kind of looks like little warts on the on the genitals, and then there's HPV that you cannot see. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there just by, what, the, what was it, taste, touch, and, and smell or something like mm-hmm. that, to be able to see if someone has just an STD, just by looking... Yeah, you. There's a lot that can hide without you being able to actually see it, and sometimes you can see little bumps and sores. And um, spoken as someone who made out with someone who had a sore on their lip when they were 18 and went with it, and then got a gnarly cold sore virus on my lip, um, which I now have under control. And it took me about 10 years to kind of figure out how to help it to go dormant and not haunt my life. Um, if you see something. I would ask about it, and um, but don't rely on the fact that you you should be able to see it or that they that the idea that they're clean. You know, this person that I got this cold sore virus from told me that it was a sun blister. It was not. It was lip herpes. And <laughs> so here I am. And this is my horror story for you. And um, and I and I like what April said that about condoms being available. And you know, we like to teach from a harm reduction approach in that you can choose what you want and take whatever risks you want, you know, and condoms are, um, you know, so only so effective and, and the, you know, they don't cover all the skin. There's some parts of you that can still be exposed. Um, herpes is, is actually contracted, not through bodily fluid exchange. It's actually contracted skin to skin contact. So even if you're with someone and you use a condom, you can still get herpes. And I think there's another, STD too. It's not a sexy topic, but it's very real. Herpes has been around for 2,500 years. It was called, and it's if you look at the the origin of it, herpes. It's like annoyance in Greek or something, <laughs> because like the Grecians had it, and they called it like the lesion of annoyance, something like this. It is pretty annoying. <laughs> it's a pain in the ass. It's super annoying. And if you have it on your ass, it literally is a pain in your ass. <laughs> I don't have that one, but I have it on my lip, and that is just really obnoxious. We also did a, a, a podcast with Reed Mahalko um, about cat casual sex. And one of the things, I think it was number five, you can check into that if you want to start having casual sex. It's really cool to be with partners that you can be really open and honest with and sort of share um, information with if that person um, is is living their life with integrity. Hopefully they'll be honest with you as well if you are honest with them. Yeah. So more of the story, don't rely on what you can see or touch to um, or someone's story of I'm clean, I'm all good, and um, that in itself, and you know that person might not even know what they have. And if you do feel something, um, I would question it and don't just go with it. And if if you're fluid bonded with them after, or you're choosing to be fluid bonded with them, ask them to get a test and get a test yourself, and see what's up. They have it all online now, so you can actually get screened, and then it can they can pull it up on their phone, and you can check out the results. I've showed people mine. And there's a lot of affordable testing out there. Testing doesn't have to be extremely expensive if you are lower income. And depending on where you live, there's places like Planned Parenthood and various clinics that can help you out. Okay, here's another one. So this is from two people, and we're going to call them A and J. Um, so they are 23-year-old straight females. They have let us know. Um, they've been listening to our podcast, and they just moved to a new city. They're doing the single city life. They've had multiple relationships. 
um, some lasting a night, some a few months, and they are working on communicating their intentions in the most effective way. Obviously, your podcast, Shameless Sex, has been a great resource during this journey, but we're wondering if you have any recommendations on books or other podcasts that focus specifically on what we're going through. Also, we're both in managerial positions, boss queens in the making, woo, in our desired fields and are looking for resources that can help us in with the challenges that come with being a female in an authorita- authoritative authoritative role. <laughs> if you have any suggestions, that would be wonderful. Um, yay, Boss Queens in the making. April has a lot to share with you about books on Boss Queen business because that's her specialty. Um, so it sounds like you're looking kind of more for um, female empowerment, single in the city. Um, so aside from our podcast, there are a lot of other really great podcasts that can be um, could be empowering. I So I personally like to listen to, to a diverse array of podcasts that aren't even necessarily related to sexuality, but they just push my push my mind. So I'm just going to, this is not even exactly related to what you asked, but I'm going to tell you some of my favorite podcasts. And I really like Tangentially Speaking. That's by Chris Ryan, who wrote the book Sex at Dawn. And he just talks to all kinds of different people about all kinds of different things. But I always learn from in, in that podcast. And there is actually a lot about sexuality in there. And, um, and you know dating relationship patterns and behavior i also love aubrey marcus's podcast i am a huge fan it's he's kind of more of like the consciousness expanding podcast um and we were inspired by sex with emily and sex with emily is all about sexuality she has a lot about dating and she's definitely coming from a girl power perspective so if you haven't checked out sex with emily yet i suggest going and checking that one out and um, we've had as people ask us this. Yes, we have heard of Guys We Fucked, the podcast, and um, because a lot of people are ask us, are um, or they think that we're we're similar, and um, we've heard Guys We Fucked, and they're awesome. Um, they are two super awesome empowered women who are also comedians. So if you thought we were funny, they're really really funny. And um, that's another kind of approach or angle. And I don't know how much they identify as sex educators. Are they, do they? I don't really know if they do. They're comedians, um, or we're coming more from the sex education approach. So it really just depends on what you're what you're looking for. But um, those are some podcast resources that I would recommend. And uh, let's see, April, what do you have? What you got? From a podcast standpoint. Honestly, I'm the same in the same boat as you, Amy. I listen to like Joe Rogan. Uh, shout out to my boy Joe. Love him. Uh, and I listen to um, <laughs> because of how I I am a, a pretty much I consider myself a super nerd. I listen to stuff you should know. It's random, useless knowledge that I love. Um, I it's like my party trick, random, useless knowledge. So I can tell you all like animal group names. Like a group of giraffes is a tower of giraffes. A group of lions is what, Amy? Pride. Very good. <laughs> a group of elephant is a memory. Anyway, that's fun. That could be a whole other podcast or come to a party where I'm attending and I will tell you them. So books, though. For me, I think the books that really defined and helped shape my career for the better, and I'm still honestly growing and learning, and I am a sponge, and I never want to stop learning. So, And with this podcast, I always as well I want to provide people the best tools possible so I'm continuously striving to get out there and find what books are the best and the most useful to grow myself and my career so I would suggest reading starting with now because you identify as um, two females um, lean in it's by Cheryl Sandberg wonderful amazing I can't even tell you all the adjectives glorious adjectives I have for that book 
it really changed my life in a lot of ways. So I, I, not even if you're a woman as a man, you could read it as well. And I think I've, re, I've, I've talked about it before on a podcast. Another one is, um, good to great. It's by Jim Collins. I think I've referenced this as well. It's a really epic book for running a company and making your company go from good to great or what defines and differentiates those two things. And it's very resource heavy and they did a lot of research, 11 years of research to figure out why some companies succeed and others fail. But it's really great for management because it has just excellent tools. One that I actually, we talked about a little bit um, today with Shems on the podcast was Conscious Business by Fred Kaufman. And that book was actually referenced on Lean In and because they have Google and Facebook, all of those folks are recommended to read these books. Um, and Fred Kaufman does seminars with really high top powered executives in these multi-million dollar positions. So I was trying to tap into that, like, well, how is that a success? And what can I do to make the magic that Fred is, is uh, promoting? And, and it's a really great book. Um, and he's got a really sexy Argentinian accent <laughs> that I like. I'm like, oh, the other one. So this book isn't really business oriented, but Amy recommended, I think we've talked about it. And I've now I've listened to it. it's only an hour and a half on Audible, but I've listened to it probably five times. It's called Many Lives and Many Masters. And that's just a book that kind of I thought defined why I'm on the planet and what I want to do for others and what my purpose is and kind of looking in and realizing that we're all one conscious entity and just to keep continue to help people be better humans. Um, lastly, the seven habits of highly effective people. I've talked about this book so much, but my boss recommended it to me. And so I read it and I love it. And then the other one, the last one, oh, the seven habits of highly effective peoples by Stephen Covey. Uh, he's kind of great. Um, slightly a, a bit religious for me and my liking, but I still like it. The book in general has best messages. Last but not least, uh, the hard things about hard things by Ben Horowitz, who is a wonderful CEO. And that book is awesome. And he references all sorts of rap artists because he's inspired by hip hop artists because they've always, a lot of them have come up from nothing to something. So, and I'm inspired by hip hop artists all the time. So uh, that's just a, a side note, but that book is amazing. One more, just one more that I think will change your life in general. It's called How Will You Measure Your Life by Clayton Christensen. I've actually recommended this book to other people and they've stopped me or wrote me or came up to me in a, a, like a social scene and told me that that beyond words that they could have for me and thanking me for the recommendation because it also changed their life. So yes, that's a lot, but start reading every day. I do audible, so I actually don't have to read, but I have someone read it to me. I'm reading right now though, physically, which I've read before, um, taking the war out of our words. And that's helpful both in relationships and in the business world and in just everyday reaction, interactions with, with folks. So that's what I suggest and power up ladies, like good for you. I'm so impressed with, um, you taking the time to write us and also, I already identifying as boss queens and getting in tune with your sexuality and also with your sexual empowerment. So way to go. And we are on your team. So woohoo. And Amy and I are sharing a mic right now. So we're actually not interrupting each other at all, but <laughs> maybe that is the key. But one of our mics just died. We're sad. We're going to have a burial for it. So that's it. Um, let me see. Amy, I'll read another one. 
Yeah, maybe sharing the mics. We just got this feedback from everyone. Like, Amy and April need to stop interrupting. We've got the feedback a number of times. And maybe just one mic is the way because we don't, can't do it. Okay. Z from Australia asks, I am single. Have been raised as an only child to a single mother and haven't really developed the skills in dating or how to pick up with, set, with much, much success. I am an amateur DJ, so I spend a lot of my free time gigging at clubs. And would really love to hear your thoughts and advice on how to approach and meet more women, improve my dating game, and have ultimately more shameless sex. Ooh, I like your style. All right, Z. Well, I think we've talked about this on some past episodes uh, about about dating. And one one approach that I like to the dating game is to approach people without the goal of having sex with them or dating them to just meet new people and make new friends and approach it from that standpoint so that there isn't that pressure of, oh my God, I'm not going to do it right. I'm going to say the wrong thing. I'm not going to get laid, blah, 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 blah. It also gets rid of the I'm just trying to get laid attitude, which what regardless of your gender um, sometimes is not welcomed. And especially if you are a straight man picking up on women, if you're out there just on the prowl with the, with that goal, it could really change your energy. Um, so when you're out and about, you know, you're clubbing or you're DJing, gigging at the club and <laughs> whatever you're doing, gigging, gigging, and you see someone that you might be interested um, in talking to, approach them as just that. I'm interested in getting to know you. I'm here to make new friends. You seem awesome. Um, or I don't know. I was just really drawn to you, and I'm just wondering what your story is. And have a conversation with them and get to know them from there. And then the bonus would be if you guys hit it off in a romantic way as well. So I think that's helpful because pressure nobody likes that it doesn't help anyone and people can pick up on that and it really can stunt your ability to connect and reach out um, and then you know with confidence people are really attracted to confidence but confidence you have to genuinely feel and you don't want to fake it because people can pick up on that as well so if you can um, just approach things from a confident i'm just here to meet new people standpoint i think that that is is a really helpful thing. And I also love transparency. So as you start to get to so know someone, hey, I'm just drawn to you and I would like to get to know you. Like, What's your story? I love that question. What's your story? What are you most passionate about? It's a really great opening question for people. And if they don't like those questions, they're probably just not very deep, <laughs> which happens. And, um, and then go from there. And then if you're starting to get this vibe, like, wow, I'm really, I'm, I'm really liking this conversation or, you can let them know that. Well, wow, this is feeling really good. Is this feeling really good for you? Like, I'd really love to spend some more time with you. Are you available to hang out for an hour tonight to get to know each other more? Or maybe we could set a time or date. And then the rest is history. So, I mean, easier said than done. And you just getting rid of the pressure and being transparent in an authentic way, I think, can go um, work wonders. I agree with you. I think... A lot of times um, what I've heard from from some of my single friends is that they'll be in, in a new dating situation with someone and the person always just talks about themselves and they don't ask a lot of questions. And I'm not saying interview someone where you're like giving them the interrogation, but ask some questions and then give them information about you if they're not asking a lot of questions. But it's a, a really big turn on for people to talk about themselves. In my experience in sales, for instance, whenever I'm at a trade show, I ask people about how's your family, if I know they have a family, or how are your kids? I'll try to remember their kids' names. Um, now, if it's a totally fresh situation where you don't know, you have, ask them, as Amy said, ask them about what they're passionate about or 
Um, have you taken any cool trips lately? Like really, really sometimes ambiguous, broad questions, and then you can find a common ground with them and then continue on. And it is communication sort of 101 and socializing 101, but people do love to be asked questions. I tend to ask, I over ask questions sometimes where, um, I feel like, I don't know. I, I'm, I try to stop myself. I had a, this ex-boyfriend in college that said to me, the same guy that did the the dick lifts. Remember, I've talked about him. The same guy. Uh, he was like, all you do is ask me questions all the time. What Don't you have any opinions of your own? I'm like, of course I do. But I'm just trying to make conversation. And one good practice, though, is to take it, the, in, the information and tune in and take a minute and not just... <laughs> rattle off questions like I tend to do when I get nervous. Um, so just really tune in with yourself and be yourself. I know that sounds so hard, but take deep breaths. And obviously it's good to have a cocktail or two. If you don't drink, then just be yourself, but, um, probably shy away from too many cocktails. Cause then you can just be a sloppy mess. But I like Amy's suggestion of kind of put yourself out there. You always, there's always, rejection on the table. You have to remember that, especially in the dating world. But rejection can teach you some things from time to time. And I know uh, like a lot of rejection sometimes hurts and you think something's wrong with you, but honestly, that's just not the right person and the right connection to have. So always continue to do the self-work and love yourself and you'll draw in exactly what you want to draw in um, and exactly what magnetically is charging you, uh, even if you don't see it right away. That's my suggestion for you, Z in Australia. Rooker, 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 doing the DJ thing. I'm starting to feel a little better with my tummy. Just a little bit. I think I slammed that kombucha. I had a tummy issue that I talked about, but it's starting to feel better. And somebody came to my house issuing a subpoena during this podcast recording, uh, I guess, for to appear in a court, and they don't live here, and I had to show my ID, so that also happened. That was kind of exciting. All while we were recording. Okay. So hopefully that answered your question. This is the final question of the day. So this comes from um, a person who's 33 years old, they told us, who's married. And sorry, I'm opening up my phone. So there we go. I changed my password. I forgot it. Uh, so she identifies with being a she. That's her preferred pronoun. I have a question about orgasms. I'm 33 and I've never had a G-spot orgasm. I have only had them via clit stimulation. My husband and I are both pretty adventurous in the bedroom, and I want to know what advice you have for a person like me that wants to have a great G-spot orgasm but doesn't know how to have one. Thank you, Amy. <laughs> and she's handing it over to me. G-spot orgasms. All right. This is going to be the Cliff Notes version. So... Everyone, the clitoris. The clitoris is wonderful. The clitoris is responsible. It's actually the only body part that is our only job is to provide pleasure. So the clitoris is badass. It has about 8,000 nerve endings as compared to 4,000 approximately of the penis. Woo, go clitoris. The clitoris is your best friend when you are pleasing the vulva. And the clitoris is more than meets the eye. It is not just a little teeny nub that sticks out. And that's all the clitoris is. There is a whole shaft that extends back behind the hood, and then there's legs that actually connect from the shaft down behind the labia, so it looks almost like this wishbone structure. There's a lot going on there. In my opinion, 
And they're not doing a lot of research on female anatomy to prove anything, nor do I necessarily believe in scientific research these days to prove anything. I believe in experience. And my opinion, the clitoris extends back. That tissue connects to the urethral sponge, which is what surrounds the urethra that connects up to your bladder. And it is all connected, sharing all these lovely nerve endings. And so when you're stimulating G-spot, to me, you're stimulating the back end of the clitoris. So they're all connected. This is why if you take a really powerful vibrator like the magic wand that April loves and you put it on your clitoris, it vibrates so powerfully that it will vibrate and can actually make you ejaculate because it vibrates the G-spot from the outside of your body. Uh, so that's really, really powerful. So this is my long-winded version of, actually not that long-winded, I've been more long-winded before. It doesn't have to all be about the G-spot. Uh, if you want to have internal orgasms or G-spot orgasms, uh, incorporate some external play at the same time or a lot of it before. And about 80% of female-bodied folks are having the orgasms from clitoral stimulation, um, either on its own or combining it with other things and not from penetration alone. This is really common, and especially if your partner who has a penis learned how to have sex from pornography, which is a lot of thrusting and in-and-out movements that miss a lot of the good spots and don't exactly put enough pressure on the G-spot in the way that you want it or maybe put too much pressure on it or they, it completely misses the clitoral structure that loves all the yummy touch. Um, this is an opportunity to relearn how to have sex, how to touch, how to play. No one is broken. It's not anyone's fault. This is what we've been taught and this is just what people are practicing and this is not necessarily accurate in terms of what bodies like especially when it comes to female bodies so learn practice new forms of touch incorporate clitoral play if you want to practice in g-spot stimulation i would suggest doing it with fingers and not with cocks so do it with fingers have um your start to learn more about g-spot stimulation or maybe from a tantric perspective sacred spot touch because if you just if experience a lot of thrusting your g-spot might be turned off or kind of numb from it not feeling so good and it turning off. So um, experiment, experiment with fingers, your own fingers or that of your partners with really slow, soft pressure on the G-spot. So not that fingering, milking, no, 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 not finger banging. We're talking about really slow and then go slower than that, like slower than slow and just touching you know, that kind of come hither motion or even a tapping on the G-spot or maybe even just hanging out and holding it. Wake it up. Try something new, slow down, um, and it's a practice. So it might not be one time of having your G-spot touched in a new way that feels more juicy and vibrant. That might itself might not wake it up. It might be a practice to wake it up. And that will also mean that when you start incorporating that into your sex play, your sex might now, now need to be slower and softer um, as a means of touching the G-spot in the way it really wants to be touched. And I'm not anti-thrusting. And hard and fast, I think that it serves a purpose at a certain time, but it's not most of the time that it's that's to me. It's like when the body's really warmed up or someone's just craving, like I want you to fuck me right now, serves that purpose. It's not what sex should always look like, in my opinion. That's just my opinion. Um, but I know a lot of other people that agree. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, yeah, I think I'm going to leave it at that because I could talk literally. I teach whole workshops on this uh, that are an hour and a half. Um so really starting starting with that and start educating yourself about some new ways of touching and then practicing them with your partner and asking them to touch your G-spot in a slow, intentional way with no goals. You know, let's tonight we'll, 
you give me a full body massage and then massage, massage my external vulva and then just lightly massage my G-spot. And here's some online videos of how to do that, um, which you can totally Google. And not the pornographic ones where they're just like milking it. And let's see what happens. No goals. If I don't have an orgasm, all good. If I do, woo, bonus. Yay. Good for you. I'm excited for you. Uh, who knows? Maybe you'll start ejaculating all over the place, too. I'm super excited for that. And April gets a waterproof blanket for Christmas. It's like it's past Christmas, but my mom was like, she's like, I heard on the podcast that April wanted a waterproof blanket. Tell her to come down to Pure Pleasure, and I'll give her one right when she comes in. So my mom and I, we own Pure Pleasure together. And so she's... um. April had to change her sheets today because she ejaculated all over the place. No wonder you're feeling so depleted. You ejaculated all over the place. I actually didn't come fully. I just had a lot of fluid and then I didn't finish. I was in my, I wasn't feeling well. I was in my stomach. I was like, no, no, no. I was like, yeah, we stopped. Probably not the time to. (laughs) (laughs) She's like, I need it. Orgasm a day keeps the doctor away. And now she's feeling great. So maybe there's some truth to it. All right, everyone, that is the end of our sex questions. Um, It feels good to get through them. We're both type A, so it feels good to get organized. And again, send us more sex questions. We absolutely love them. We love you. Don't forget to head on over to our website at shamelesssex.com for more. And for 15% off of some of our favorite sex toys, use coupon code SHAMELESSPP in all caps at purepleasureshop.com.